Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. I love when uh, every now and then we kind of kick it old school. I, I was sitting there during communion time, and I was like, wait, that's like, that's like a hymn. And it was. It was really good. I love when we do that sometimes because I, throughout the, the history of the church, there have been so many songs and so many uh, things painted, uh, acts of art and worship that have been done. And no matter where we are, no matter what time we are, there's something we can learn and something we can glean from it. And so I love uh, when we do some of the older songs like that sometimes. It's such an encouragement to me. Um, waiting is hard, isn't it? Isn't waiting hard? Um, I found uh, one, a lesson that I learned uh, just a couple of weeks ago when we went to uh, visit our daughter in Florida. Her wedding was down there, and we got to spend a little bit of time on vacation before the wedding. A lesson that I learned is I need to be thankful for Raleigh traffic. <laughs> I need to be thankful for Raleigh traffic. We were staying outside of Orlando, and I really for a moment thought I'd died and gone to hell. It was horrible. Okay, I guess that's a little bit of a line for you guys. But anyway, that's the way I felt. And there was many times I was like, I would like for that person to go to that place. that I just, I'm, I'm just being honest, just being honest. Some of y'all don't like the way that I talk, and that's okay. I'm good with that. But I was stunned, man. It was about a 25-minute trip most of the times. And you know how long it would take? 45 minutes, an hour 15, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. You go home, you go home, you go home. Everybody get out of the way because everybody makes you wait and because they don't know how to drive like I do. And I believe I should be the examiner, and so I should have a little button and just make somebody's car get and gets off the road if they're not driving correctly, and the world would be a better place. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. You, got, you voted for me. I appreciate it. Um, but I don't like to wait, and I don't know about you guys. If you do like to wait, I need to learn lessons from you because I don't like to wait. And there's nothing more of a reminder of not liking to wait than the way like TV and stuff is now, entertainment is now. I mean, for those of us that are a little bit older, you know, um, don't you remember what it was like? There was no such thing as binge watching a TV show, right, like there is now. I mean, now you just watch a whole season in like an hour and 45 minutes. You're like, <laughs> you know, you're just watching it back to back to back, you know. And sometimes you might take eight hours and watch that thing and you accomplish nothing. But when I was a kid, I remember what it was like. I had to wait from May until September to find out what Mr. T, B.A. Baracus, was doing on the A-team next season. You know? I had to wait to find out what Bo and Luke Duke were going to do to get away from Roscoe P. Coltrane, right? I, y'all didn't watch that show? Okay. Um, I had to wait to find out what was going to happen on A Different World. That was one of my favorite shows in high school. I had to wait. What was, it was a dramedy, right? It was, one of those first, it, was, it was like serious stuff, but it was funny. And I had to wait to find out what was going to happen. There was no binge watching. And, and get this, y'all. Get this. For those of you that are younger in the crowd, if there's anybody in here that's like pre that time, I want you to know this. You couldn't go back and refresh your memory about what happened the season before. 
It was September roll around, and you're like, I don't have a clue if Mr. T is still alive anymore. Because you don't, I mean, there wasn't going back and watching season two. It, it just, you know, you might, I remember, I'm so country, and I am just old enough. I remember not having a VCR. We didn't have, I mean, not, I ain't talking about DVD, y'all. I ain't talking about DVD. I'm talking about, I remember, I didn't have a VCR. And I remember going and renting a VCR along with my VHS tape from the video store. You're talking about balling out. That was a night to remember. It was a fun, fun time. Y'all got to give me something here. Y'all got to <laughs> smile, do something, do something, smile, laugh. You know, even if it's a pity laugh, I'll take, I'll take pity laughs, courtesy laughs, whatever it may be. Oh, thank you. That's marvelous. <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't like to wait. A lot of the silly stuff I'm talking about, it's not fun to wait on. But there are a lot of things in life that you find yourself waiting, that the waiting can be heartbreaking. Am I right? The waiting can be heartbreaking. The waiting can be hard, and most of us have felt that waiting in a very real sense. And sometimes you get to the place where, for being truthful, hope is gone. You ever been there? You get to the place where hope is gone. And that might not be easy to say. It might not be easy to admit. But there's a couple of people that I want us to look at in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. And we're going to read a good chunk of scripture here. So I'm going to ask you to pay attention as best you can. We'll have the scripture on the screen. You can turn there in your Bible, Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. You can look on your phone. But we're going to read this. And we're going to see about two people that waited probably in ways that a lot of us can't even quite relate to. Some of you absolutely probably can. But it says in verse 21, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. That's a waiting game, right? That is a waiting game. He said, my little daughter is at the point of death. I need you to come through Jesus. That's a waiting game that I hope you never have to experience. And some of you have. You know, you've had loved ones who are struggling and you just wish that something would happen. You wish that, that, that a miracle would take place. You wish that, you know, the doctors would find a cure. You wish that God would just speak and it would be healed. And, and we prayed and we waited and we're heartbroken, we're terrified, we're scared. And thankfully, what does Jesus do? Verse 24, it says, and he went with him. That's encouraging. Jesus goes with him. It says, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Now, I want you to think about this for a, a second. 
So, you know, he goes and he falls at the feet. It says he falls at his feet and he implores him. That's, a, you know, a word we don't use a lot, but he begs him. He's like, my daughter is dying. I need you to come. And to his, I don't know, maybe his surprise, Jesus says, all right, and he comes along with him. But then, can you imagine the frustration of all of a sudden he turns around and there's these hundreds of people that are all there. You know what? It's hard to travel with my family of six or seven, depending on who's with us. I cannot imagine trying to make this trip back in Palestine 2,000 years ago with a thousand people maybe crowding all around, taking time, you know, people stopping, wanting to shake hands with Jesus, wanting to look at him, wanting to touch him. And, you know, can you imagine the frustration of Jairus? His daughter is dying. It goes on, it says, verse 25, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under the, uh, many physicians and had spent all that she had, and there was no, and was no better, but rather grew worse. Man, does that sound like a 2022 problem too? You know, she'd been suffering, and no doctor could help her. She had spent all of her money, and she was no better off. She was actually a little bit worse, and she just was at the end of her rope. Verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. It was probably the little tassels that Jesus probably wore on this sort of like shawl-like thing that was a prayer shawl that a lot of rabbis, a lot of, uh, you know, religious Jewish men had. She might have touched one of those tassels as it dangled down around his legs. She just reached through. It says that she just, if, just came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said in verse 28, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. Now, one thing that's interesting is this isn't anything that we've seen in the Gospels up to this point. We haven't seen somebody be healed just from coming into physical contact with Jesus' clothing. And, and so, you know, I don't know. We don't, we don't have everything. We don't have every moment of every day of what Jesus did. But some scholars think that she was using something that a lot of the uh, Greek healers would have done. They would have thought or at least taught whether it worked or not that, you know, if you touch their cloth or you touched their clothing or you did something that you would be healed and so it didn't say it doesn't show us that there was any reason she thought that this would work but she had such great faith in what she'd heard about Jesus she said I'm going to do it and, and that's such a cool thing and I love that God honors it because here's what happens next verse 29 it says and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease that's awesome that's amazing. At the very moment she touches just the hem of his garment, one of these little tassels maybe, she's healed, she feels it, she knows it. And this is a, Mark is full of all these little interesting things. And as we said, most likely Peter is the one who's recounting all this to Mark. And, and Peter, you know, he didn't have a lot of time it seems like, and so he's really abrupt and he doesn't give you a whole lot of detail. And so he just says, and Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And everybody responds like, we probably would have responded. Look at verse 31. And his disciples said to him, You see this crowd pressing around you? I mean, let's, let's not read it. A lot of times, I don't know if about y'all, but you know, I read in a very formal way when I'm reading scripture. You know, do you ever read in a British accent? Be honest. You ever do that? Yeah. And verily I say unto thee, hmm. you know, you know, 
but this was real life. These guys probably, they all the time open up their mouth and inserted foot, right? And if this is Peter talking, who's the chief of opening up their mouth and inserting their thigh, you know? Not just their foot, but They probably said, do you see this crowd pushing around you? And you're saying, who touched me? Come on, Jesus. They didn't always give the right Sunday school Bible answer. They were <laughs> helping write part of the Bible. And so they said, do you see this crowd? Do you see this crowd? And he looked around, verse 32, to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So he stops, he asks a question, and everybody's sort of incredulous, you know, can, who touched you? All these people, everybody's touching you. And, and I don't know exactly how this worked out. I don't know, you know, Jesus came down in the form of a person, and he, he limited himself in, in some ways, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, about how, you know, he couldn't be, or he chose not to be everywhere at one time. It, you know, it was different. And so I don't know how much he knew. I don't know if he was just trying to make a point here that, you know, he, he knew that it happened. He knew the power had gone out. I don't know if he didn't truly know. I, I don't think he was lying, but he was also trying to teach and make a point here. You know, maybe that's a part that he's limited on at that moment. Maybe she really did have to come and say, but regardless, she falls down and she is trembling. She is afraid because she knows about Jesus, but she doesn't know about Jesus. And she knows that he's good and she knows that he can heal but she might not know that he's great and she might not know that he's love not that he does love but he is love she might not understand that he would not just give freely to somebody who really wants it and really needs it and that's a lesson that you and I need to learn is that yes a lot of us because we're looking back on, through history we're looking back with a different perspective but we can be just as ignorant of who Jesus really is as that woman was and the sad thing is is a lot of times we don't even have the faith of that woman and all she knew was all she had heard by word of mouth for a couple of years now, but we have 2,000 years. We've got scripture. We've got reminders. We've got reminders of ourselves, and yet still we don't trust him, myself included. And if we trust him a little bit, do we truly know that he is love? Do we truly know how he's going to respond? And he responds just like Jesus would. He said, my daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. She had not known peace for 12 years. She was ceremonially unclean for 12 years straight. She could not go and worship at temple, and anybody who came in contact with her was ceremonially unclean as well because of this constant bleeding that was taking place in her body and so for the first time in her life in 12 years time she can have peace and some of you have been waiting for 12 years and 20 years and 30 years and six months but it seems like an eternity to you verse 25 or 35 excuse me while he was still speaking there came from the ruler's house some who said your daughter is dead 
Why trouble the teacher any further? Remember Jairus? He's walking along. He, he finally, Jesus says, yes, I'll go with you. They start to go, and now he's frustrated because the whole crowd's there. It's taking forever. And then in the midst of it all, this woman has the audacity to stop Jesus, whether she meant to or not. She has the audacity to get in the way of his healing of his daughter. I'm just being honest. How are you going to feel? A lot of us would want to punch somebody in the face when they take, uh, somebody takes one of our kids' cupcakes. Because we love our kids nowadays, right? Oh, I'm, I'm meddling now. Y'all don't like that. <laughs> Much less if they steal my child's healing. And just like he was afraid of, what happens? Somebody comes in and they say, oh, she's dead. Don't bother him. I don't think that person worked for Hallmark. I'm just going to go out on a limb. They just say, oh, your daughter's dead. Leave him alone. They have no tact. And that's the way life can be sometimes. It just hits you like a punch in the gut. And it says in verse 36, But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. When you're in a good spot, those words might make you say, Amen. But when it's your daughter... They can make you angry, can't they? Don't fear, only believe. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Sure thing. But Jesus said, don't fear. Only believe. He's Jesus. He knows how it's going to end. Trust him. He says, don't fear, only believe. In verse 37, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. They come to this and they see all these people. And it was a common thing, and, and it's, it's quoted in the Talmud, that they would often pay people to come and mourn, professional mourners. Professional mourners would come to your house and you might have to pay somebody to play the flute and to play a dirge, I guess, something like that, you know, the Jewish equivalent of a dirge. And you would come and people would, you know, they would cry loudly and, you know, maybe even, you know, throw ashes in the air. They would do all this sort of stuff because you wanted a large crowd and there was already a crowd there. And it says in verse 39, when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but is sleeping. What do they do? Verse 40, and they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in there where the child was. And, and I, this moment I want you to think about for just a second. When we decide that we're going to follow and trust who Jesus is and we're going to believe that he is good even when this world is not and even when we have been crying our eyes out and praying and calling out to God for 12 years or 6 months or 3 weeks or wherever it is for you, when you tell people that you believe that God is good and that he's going to answer your prayer, people will laugh, won't they? Maybe not to your face, but they'll laugh. But he is good. And then in verse 41, it says, Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi. An Aramaic phrase, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. In the space of just a few moments, 
He's allowed himself to be touched by a woman who was unclean ceremonially, religiously. And he touches a dead body who is ceremonially unclean. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'd rather be with the people and I'd rather bring healing than worry about these man-made traditions. And it says in verse 42, immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age. I love the fact that the woman had suffered for 12 years and this girl had lived 12 years and just the, I don't even really know what it means, but I just love the little connection. And so it doesn't matter how long you've been waiting, it doesn't matter how long the problem has been persisting, it doesn't matter what's been going on, but God is able. And it says in verse 43, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. That's always mind-blowing. You know, Jesus was trying to make sure that his timeline was honored. He wasn't ready to be taken to the cross just yet. And so he tells them to wait, but of course people go and they tell everything. But here's what I want us to focus on for the next couple of minutes. We've got to acknowledge a truth if we're ever going to grow in our faith. We have to acknowledge a truth if we're ever going to grow in our faith. And the first truth is this. This is sort of foundational for what we're talking about. The timing of God can be frustrating. I don't know if that's Christian politically correct for me to say. But I'm just going to say it. The timing of God can be frustrating. Are any of you willing to say you agree? (laughs) We've got to acknowledge that because if we don't, it leads us to be fake around other believers. And I, I, maybe I, I'm generalizing, maybe, uh, maybe I'm assuming something that's not true, but I believe a lot of people struggle with their relationship with God because they feel frustrated by the timing of God when they pray about whatever it is they pray, no matter if it's a, a job that they want or a loved one who's near, near death, and they pray and they, they don't understand the timing of God and they get frustrated, but they would never tell anybody because, well, nobody else feels that way. And so if I go around my Christian friends and I tell them that I'm frustrated because I don't see the answer and I don't know how it's going to happen and I don't know how God's going to answer my prayer, then I'm not a good Christian. Guess what? Everybody take a breath. Some of you didn't do that. You're like, I ain't going to listen to you. You ain't my daddy. (laughs) Take a breath. If you just did that, then there have been times when you have doubted and wondered about the timing of God. It's just we need to be honest about it. And maybe you've matured to the point where that doesn't happen as much, and I need to learn from you, and I need to sit at your feet a little bit. But all of us have been there. All of us have done that. And maybe some of us are in it right now, and our faith is struggling because we just won't admit that we have doubts and we have worries and we have concerns. And we think, if I tell people that I am upset with God about the timing of His answers, then they're going to shun me because they've never felt that way. Everybody has felt that way. Everybody has felt that way. And there are probably a lot of people right here, right now, watching online, in here in person, who feel that way, who don't know why it's taking so long. And when we do that, when we create this false narrative in our mind that we can't tell anybody, we're afraid we're the only ones who struggle. It leads us to feel alone and further distance ourselves from the church. 
Because we start believing the lies and we start saying, oh, well, they don't understand me because it, they just have this perfect faith and everything works great for them and they understand and they don't struggle. And so I can't be around them because I can't play that role all the time. And so they distance themselves further, sending their hearts spiraling spiraling further and further away from the church and further away from a deeper relationship with Christ. But here is the thing. We don't know what God is doing in the pauses. We don't know what God is doing in the pauses when we're asking, and it seems like forever, we don't know what he's doing. Jairus. Jairus had to be frustrated, don't you agree? Uh, we've already talked about that a little bit. But can you put yourself into his shoes for a moment? Jairus had to be incredibly frustrated as he's finally got Jesus with him and then the whole crowd stops he's got to be angry he's got to be frustrated he's got to be angry at the crowd he's got to be angry at the woman who stopped the whole procession and let's be true he might be a little bit angry at Jesus he's like Jesus come on you've got a mission here what are you doing it's my little girl and think about for a moment Jairus' wife. Jairus' wife, this little girl's mother who is back at home and there is no phone to text and say, hey, we're on the way. Jesus said yes. She's sitting there by this little girl's bed and she is praying and hoping for a miracle and she is trying to do anything she can, any kind of old wives' tale, uh, healing potion or anything that there could be. She is trying and she is frustrated and she is probably pacing the floor and she is crying and she is wondering and she is calling out to God and the questions are just pouring out of her. It's normal to worry in the waiting. It's normal to worry in the waiting. But remember... We never know what God is doing in the pauses. We never know. Now, don't get me wrong. I, you know, God now is not limited to space and time like Jesus limited himself for his time on earth. You know, by, by doing that, he was not at, in all places at all times, you know, when Jesus walked the earth. And God is not limited to that. And so I'm not saying it's a direct correlation I'm not saying that, you know, God limits himself to only being able to deal with one person, one problem at the time, and only be present in one place. But I think we fail to recognize how interconnected we all are. How all of us are connected, and we are helping one another, and God wants to use us all. And many times, God is going to answer our prayers through people on this earth, our brothers and sisters and circumstances that come about. And we've got to remind ourselves that God is moving and he's guiding and he's preparing the hearts of people who might help be the answers to our prayers. We need to remind ourselves that there's more going on than we are aware of in the midst of our prayers and in the midst of the pauses in the past few weeks, I've been sharing this because this theme has come up at many times in the Gospel of Mark. But we have to remind ourselves to trust God's past faithfulness. Trust His past faithfulness in history, in the Scripture, and in your own life. He's been good in the past. He'll be good in the future. And so when the pause moment is there and you don't know why, you don't know when, trust that he is good. Don't believe the lies and trust God's perspective that he sees all the good that's going to come and all the, the, the struggles and the trials and all the, the, the joy and the blessings that even the pain can bring at times. 
And so as you wait, remember this. It's never too late with Jesus. It's never too late with Jesus. Maybe some of you need to hear that again. It's never too late with Jesus. We forget and we think, oh man, I, I know the time frame. I know what's needed. I know the time. I know what we need. And I know that it's not easy to hear that word, those words. It's never too late with Jesus. I know it's not easy when you prayed for a loved one to get well. But know this, Jesus can bring healing to you when hope seems gone. When hope seems lost, he can bring healing to you. Now, here's four quick things I want you to listen to. And they're, they're not on the screen, so I want you to pay attention. So wake up the person beside you so they can hear them too. The first one is this. It's just truths that we need to acknowledge. Sometimes the healing hurts. Sometimes the healing hurts. I want it to be pain-free, don't you? But sometimes the healing hurts. I mean, just think in a total physical nature. If you go and you have an issue, something in your body that requires surgery, the surgery, they give you anesthesia for a reason. Why? Because cutting into your body hurts. Removing the thing that could really do some damage hurts. And even the healing hurts. And so sometimes in our, in our life with Jesus, the healing can hurt. The second thing is this. It may take a long time. It may take a very long time, and I don't know why I don't have the perspective of God, but I know that it may take a long time. It might be instantaneous too, though. So don't think that it's always going to be a long time. It may be instantaneous. Number three, this, this is another one we need to accept and realize. Your healing may be for the healing of others too. We don't know what God is doing through our story. I have some friends that I knew from a previous ministry that they had, they got married and they had a, a little girl, she was on the way and she was born with severe, severe birth defects and she lived, uh, I believe, a year, if not quite a year, maybe just under a year and she never stepped foot a day outside of the hospital her entire life and they prayed and we prayed and I'm not going to sit here even begin to tell you that this makes up for it but in her short life she impacted more people than a lot of us impact in 80 plus years of walk around on this earth and her story still being told about how God showed up and healed and calmed and held and did all these things and no it didn't come out the way that we would have wanted it absolutely didn't come out the way those parents wanted but they even can look back and see God was in this every step of the way. And now they've got a precious little boy who gets to hear as he grows up about his amazing sister that he won't get to meet this side of heaven, but she's whole. And she's perfect now. And honestly, if I'm being honest, it's not easy to say it, especially when it's somebody you care about. But we should be envious of her. Because she's experiencing something that we've got to wait to be with Jesus face to face. It's never too late with Jesus. And then the fourth thing is this, and this is what we're talking about. It may not be complete until heaven. Your healing might not be complete until heaven. And I'm sorry, I know that's hard to hear. And I hate hearing it too sometimes. 
but just know that it might take getting to be with Jesus because this world is imperfect. It is screwed up because of sin and rebellion, not just Adam and Eve's, but our continual sin and rebellion. And there is death and there's pain and there's heartache, but there's also good things and moments and joy that God gives us, but it won't all be right until we get to be with him face to face. And so this last idea is important. No touch is too small. Just reach out. If you're waiting and you're wondering and you're struggling and you wonder if it's too late, just know that it's never too late with Jesus. It's never too late with God the Father. But know this, that no touch is too small. Learn a lesson from that woman who was there through that crowd. There were people all huddled around Jesus and they were pushing along. And as it was said, who touched you? you everybody touched you. She fought through with everything she had. She knows that she wasn't supposed to be around a crowd of people, but she was desperate. And she said, I don't care what people think of me. I don't care what it does. I'm going to get to Jesus. And that's the attitude that you and I need to have. That it doesn't matter what people tell me is right or appropriate. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow his word and I'm going to try to get close to Jesus. I'm going to fight and I'm going to claw and I'm going to push my way through. And I'm just going to get, even if it's just the touch of the hem of his garment, I'm going to get close to Jesus. And some of you need to just continue to fight right now. You've just decided I'm going to sit back on the edge of the crowd and I'm not going to fight anymore because I'm tired. But I'm telling you, get up and fight. And just reach for Jesus. One touch, just one touch, just reach out. No request is too large or no request is too small. Pray about everything and reach out to Jesus in everything. I mean, think about our story here. Jairus' daughter, that was a huge request. She was dying and then ultimately she was dead and he brought her back to life. That's a huge thing. The woman's request was still a big, big request because she'd been struggling for 12 years. But what she was asking for was not Jesus to come to her house and not set up this big to-do that everybody would see and to go into a private room. She just wanted to what? One little simple touch because she knew that it was enough. And so I want to remind you, no matter how big your request is or no matter how big your concern is or how small it is, reach out. One touch from Jesus is just enough. It's time to keep reaching out to Jesus. It's time to keep fighting through the adversity. I want you to understand this. The closer that you get to Jesus, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you experience his power. Don't settle for the outside of the crowd. How many of us, if, if we were going to be honest and raise our hands, I'm not asking you to do that, but how many of us have lived a lot of our Christian life following Jesus, but we're on the outside of the crowd? Because we weren't willing to push through and fight and just try to get to the hem of his garment. Too many of us settle for the outside of the crowd when it comes to our faith. And therefore we experience little to no power in our walk with Jesus. It's time to push through. It's time to reach. It's time to scrap, to claw, to do what you've got to do to get closer to Jesus. Because just one touch from Jesus will make all the difference. So today, what's your touch? I don't want to leave you with just a simple theory or an idea or an emotion or a feeling. I, that's not all I want you to leave here with. I want you to decide what is your touch. What's your extra reach? How are you fighting through the crowd? What is it you need to do? Maybe today yours is a, a big one. Maybe you need to start your life and walk with Jesus. You need to be baptized into Jesus. 
And we'd love to talk with you about that. Maybe it's a big one. It's like, I need for Jesus to heal me completely, spiritually, from the inside out, and that needs to happen today. Or maybe it's simply, I just need somebody to pray with me. I'll be over to the side here, and I'll be willing to pray with you. We've got other people that would be glad to pray with you, but you just need somebody to reach out and touch you and pray for you and let you know that you are not alone. And maybe you've been on the outside of the crowd, and maybe today yours is, I need to get involved deeper with other people in my faith, and I need to be involved in a connect group, a small group Bible study, because I need to talk to people and have people pray for me and, and laugh with people and even cry with people sometimes during the week, and so I need to be involved in a connect group. Or maybe you stayed on the outside when it comes to your relationship with Jesus and getting deeper with Him, and you need to sign up for our discipleship study that we do. And you need to get deeper into God's Word and find out what He's saying to you and how He wants to change you from the inside out. And maybe it's really small. Maybe yours today is just picking up a pen or opening your smartphone and just simply filling out a connect card <laughs> because that's all you've got the energy for. Maybe you've been on the outside for a long, long time and you can't stand beside somebody and open up and tell them what's going on, but maybe you just need to write your name, write your phone number, and just write, help me, <laughs> and we'll reach out. I don't know what your touch is, but I'm going to pray that you figure out what it is today and keep fighting, keep pushing through. Because just one touch from Jesus is enough. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.